Our subject this morning is what is biblical predestination? I like that subject because uh, a lot of people doubt whether they're saved or not because they don't know everything. But I was pastor of the Hebron Baptist Church for a few months, and one Sunday morning I was preaching on predestination. And uh, I said, if uh, one of y'all had a gun and you pulled it out and blown my brains out this morning, God predestinated that. We happen to have an old hard shell Baptist in the in our church visiting. Brother Nelson and his wife was members, and their dad from West Virginia was a hard shell Baptist preacher. He didn't say anything. On the way out, he called me. He said, uh, "Brother, God doesn't predestinate sin." And so I thought about it. Uh, so through the years, I have studied uh, what is biblical predestination. God has an eternal purpose in all that he's done. God is absolute sovereign. He carries out his eternal purpose. Hard problem or no hard problem, I'm going to die right on time. Every one of y'all are. That doesn't bother me. I just, uh, I, I want to die serving God. That one thing that runs through the entire Bible is the glory of God. Creation. Man, Christ, salvation, Christian, the church, executive, all in the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose will glorify his name. God created man in his own image, but man fell and thus separated himself from God. Adam was created perfect. So was his wife. But his wife influenced him to eat of that forbidden fruit and because of that we fell and we were totally depraved came from my mother's room speaking lies don't have to teach a child to do bad things young mothers have a problem with that you know what did I do I, you know we don't let the baby listen to music she shouldn't listen to and don't watch the, you know, the noise we're very careful you don't have to teach a child to sin. They'll do that on their own. You got to teach them not to sin. God does not suffer defeat. Despite sin, his eternal purpose will accomplish. God made certain that his eternal purpose is accomplished. So he has predestinated it. You know, they're debating whether to leave the time as it is or change it in a few months. 
imagine if, if God smiles, he smiles at that. That sun's going to come up and go down exactly every day the way I say it is. So, you know, he tolerates a lot of it. But the dictionary states that predestination means to degree beforehand. It means to predetermine. So I just say that God has predestinated me to sin today. And everybody will say, that's her sin. God knows I'm going to sin today. So you've got to understand what the word means. And the word predestination means to degree beforehand. You know that something. I can, I can predestinate a marriage that will go wrong if they're not faithful to each other. I can predestinate that any couple getting married, if they do not have a little bit of common sense about a budget, they'll get in financial trouble. You can say, I predestinated that or I predetermined that. Uh, But that's because... That's what will happen. So a special definition given in the Schofield Bible which states that predestination is, now listen, that effective exercise of the will of God by which things before determined by him are brought to pass. Steve Hampton, God has predestinated the day that you will die. You'll die right on time. Good health, cancer, heart attack, stress, you're going to die right on time. Because the Bible tells us there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. So, you know, I don't because ladies get upset at this more than than men. You know, they're pregnant, they go to the... You know, your baby will come between April the 1st and the 4th, and, you know, and it's, uh, she has her baby the 1st of May, you know. And it wasn't late. Born right on time. Now, medically speaking, or humanly speaking, we can say, yeah, it was late. But a man who does not know everything Determine when the baby would be. But God knew exactly when that baby would be born. God, before the foundation of the world, predestinated that certain events would come to pass. God, in his power and in his exercise, his will makes certain these predestinated events will happen. God told me the other day, the second coming is close, preacher. Now, I'm not a church man, but you know how I know it's because God's word says, you know, right before he comes, it'll either be hot or cold. In what Bible did you find that? See, the Bible said we would always have the the four seasons. It may be a short spring, a long summer, short winter, you know, but it's going to be. 
So despite what man and Satan can do, God has predestinated that his eternal purpose will be accomplished. God does not suffer defeat. His name will be glorified in all that he's done. God has predetermined if I am a child of the king that I will glorify him. God has predetermined that if I'm a child of God, I will live for him. Now, what if I'm not living for him? I believe he gives it a certain length of time, which only he knows, and he takes us home, and we say, oh, they had a premature death. No, they didn't. They died right on time. The cause was the chastening hand of God. So the word predestinated is used four times in the Bible. It's used twice in the first chapter of Ephesians and twice in the eighth chapter of Romans. Now in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, when we look at that particular verse, look what we see. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. God saved me because he wanted to. He didn't look down and say, oh, he'll make a good one. No, I was just a depraved and still a depraved. That body of mine is capable of doing anything that the worst man in in any prison But God, praise God, said, having predestinated us. When I read that, I read, having predestinated Tony unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. So the epistle of the Ephesians is addressed to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. The first five verses in this book reveals that what is to come is addressed to saved people, not lost sinners. Notice, Ephesians 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's not talking to lost people. It's talking to saved people. So since I'm saved, God said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed Tony with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. He's chosen me before the foundation of the world. Before this beautiful world was there, God chose me I'll even go this far. I believe that if I could see my name, it would be James Thomas Banks. 
Now, you don't have to believe that. I believe that, you know. And the reason I believe it is because people say, we were going to name our baby Alice, but at the last moment, we named them Mary. No, you didn't. You named it exactly what God wanted to. You say, well, how do you explain that? He wrote your name in the book before the world was created. You explain anything different to me. Now, we see in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Who's he talking to? Saved people or lost people? So we hear these stories. If God can save old Jack, he can save anybody. Do you know what Jack does? I mean, he, man, he's bad. Well, God must have had a plan for him. So before the earth was created, he put old Jack's name in the book of life. Now, the reason people don't really like that is because they don't like somebody making decisions for them. If God didn't make a decision for us, we'd be in hell when we died. How can a lost man choose Christ? A young man came forward last Sunday, asked me to ask church to pray for him. I trust every one of you I'll have. I not only pray for him every day, I will continue to pray every day until God saves you. I've got a, a prayer warrior group made up of eight Baptist preachers that I believe if I ask them to pray, they pray. They're praying for you. So when you reach that date, guess what? Lift up your head, redemption draw nigh. Now, the reason people don't like that kind of teaching is because they think they've got to do it. What do I have to do? What can a dead person do? You wouldn't go to the graveside and say, Mom, come up. They're physically dead. Well, a lost person is spiritually dead. They can't understand. It's so simple, but they cannot understand. But God can quicken you in a twinkling of an eye. As I used to say, and I learn better now, that's good preaching. I don't care what you say. It's just teaching. That's letting God speak to you. Not arguing with me. You're arguing with God. It was God that said to the praise and glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. He did a redo on me before Jesus would accept me. Verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know what grace is? It's a free gift. Because of that free gift that God gave to us, which we call grace, by grace are ye saved through faith, and God caused you to believe you were dead in sins, but he quickened you and made you believe, caused you to believe, gave you the ability to believe, so that at the end of day, I am what I am by the grace of God. 
can't brag on anybody. Brag on what God has made you. God said in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated. Here we go. Predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. There are some things going to happen in my life because God predestinated them to happen. And one of them would that I would wind up in a hospital for 41 days, that an old Baptist preacher would stick his foot in a lawnmower, pre-events would put him in the same room, and I tried to get him out, and he kept preaching. I got near him, got to go. He doesn't. Once God put his mark on you, you're going to come. And you won't come screaming and hollering. You'll come gladly because God has made you willing. God said in verse 12 that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. You're no good to God until you trust in Christ. All of those good works lost people did do don't amount to nothing. Because God said that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. We got to be a believer before God is going to open up that blessing chest and fill your heart. Then he says in uh, verse 13, this is important. Read it now. I know most of you say, you know, but we got to know how man is saved. God got a way. Now, I had a person tell me this week, preacher, as long as you're sincere. But how do you know you're sincere? I know my own heart. Well, God says you can't know your own heart. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? But look what he said in verse 13. In whom ye also trusted after that he heard what? The word of truth. No word, no salvation. after he heard the word of truth, the gospel of what? Your salvation. Which means that everybody is saved the same way when they hear the word of God and the spirit of God bears witness with them. I mean, uh, God said, in whom ye also trusted after that he heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that he believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You know, what you got in that last part? Eternal security of the blood-bought believer. Sealed. 
I still remember when Mom used to can all of those beans and everything. She would wait to hear that old jar pop, gooby, pop, pop. Well, see, I apply verse 13. In whom ye also trusted after I heard the word of truth. You can't trust in something you don't know anything about. So after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. He said, after that he heard the word of truth, now, I pause there because I had to have the water. But what does that mean? That means as long as you hear the word, or it's got to be the word of truth. Now, if you believe this verse, not all churches are the same. Not all preachers are the same. Because I heard one on my iPhone, I was searching for something such this this week where this clown said, don't worry about being an LBGT, whatever those nipples are. God made you that way. God loves you. God died for you. That's a bunch of bull. I mean, that's as bunch of bull as you can get. The man sitting there leading people to hell, God can save those. He can save those but he won't let him stay there. <clears throat> See, now eternal security, the blood-bought believer, notice verse 13, in whom he also trusted after he heard the word of truth. Not just anything, you've got to hear the truth. gospel of your salvation in whom also after that he believed. You hear, you believe, God seals you. That spiritual pop. Spirit of God lives in you. You can never be lost again. But you can be rebellious and God will forgive you. And you be rebellious and God will forgive you. But he won't keep forgiving you. What he does, he takes you home. So like in the old time church, when kids were be misbehaving, they didn't take them to the nursery. They took them by mama's side, and mama would look at that child, and you would think she's dead. She wouldn't move. That's the fear of God. But now they run them off to the nursery, and they, whatever they do in the nursery. Verse Ephesians 1 13 is one of the greatest verses for salvation you'll ever read. Amen. These scriptures were addressed to save people. This epistle was written to those who had heard the gospel, had believed it, and were redeemed. They had an inheritance in heaven and were eternally sealed. It's what the last part of 13 said. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. If you're saved, 
You can't get lost, but you can take a short, fast trip to glory. Predestinated unto what? This verse does not say having predestinated us unto salvation. It didn't say, say that. What it does say, predestination is unto the adoption of children. He's telling us what predestinated. It's these things have got to happen. I can predestinate that a person will never be saved if they do not ever hear the word of God. So it is my job as preacher, it's the job of the church that everybody we see, we tell them how to be saved. That's why we ought to have a track in our pocketbook, one in our, our, our purse, whatever. And I tell you, I've been saved a long time, been preaching a long time. My wife had to have cancer, had to go down to the cancer center and a little old black cleaning lady who praised God every time she picked up somebody's Christ, every time that she pushed that broom, she says, praise the Lord, and she gave everybody, she met a track. And then a religious person came along, you know them. I don't want your old track. I've got my own beliefs. If they're not according to the Bible, they're wrong and you're going to hell. I'm not saying you've got to be a Baptist to be saved. I'll say people are bad to say they don't know it. Want to prove that in the Bible? God said, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. The predestination is unto the adoption of children. The adoption of children, the word adoption is used by Paul has more meaning than the way the word is generally used today. I've got an adopted daughter. Sometimes when Jay gets all, you know, I don't don't know. I said, Jay, Anthony came along. I couldn't couldn't send him back. They wouldn't take him back. Kim came along. They wouldn't take her back. But I had a choice of whether I took you. I took you by choice. I'm a child of the king by choice. God chose me. You know, you ought to be thankful. Every little child that has been adopted, that has been taken out of an abusive home, been, been, been taken out of a, a home that's not safe and put in, into foster care. And somebody comes and wants him. You think God isn't in, in control? Jay's real mother, the only thing she wanted, and she put that in the adoption, I said, I want my daughter to be adopted in a Christian family. God leaves no details out. To say believers were predestinated unto the adoption of children. 
God has predestinated that every believer will make it into the adoption which will occur at the second coming of the Lord. The adopted children. We've all been adopted. Every saved person has been adopted. God predetermined that every one of his elect would hear the word of God. You would be somewhere where the word of God was here. Do you know what that means? Did y'all understand what I said last Sunday? A lady been following us on Facebook. Two weeks ago, God saved her. She's not a member of this church. I don't know if she's a member of any church. But she called us and said, God save me. You think sermon audio isn't worth what it costs? Another one came home. Now you know what she wants. She wants me to find her a church. I said, have you ever thought about moving to Kentucky? Particularly the Carlisle area. Yes, I would do that. If God saves somebody, they need to be where the truth is preached. God has predetermined that man will glorify his name. He has chosen the believer in Christ to accomplish this promise. He has predestinated that the believer shall stay saved in order to fulfill the eternal purpose of God. What has God predestinated? He's predestinated that if I am saved, truly saved, I want to see somebody else saved. That's why you pray for your kids, don't you? He said there are the meanest bunch of kids anybody have in the country. They won't be after God save them. They'll still be rebellious. <laughs> They'll be rebellious and, and, until they die. But there'll be a difference. The second time that the word predestinated is used in the book of Ephesians is one eleven, where it says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who work of all things after the counsel of his will. So he predestinated. For what? That we should be to the praise and glory who first trusted in Christ. That means that after God saved me, my number one priority was Jesus. You know, you you preached on that, you know, and then.
But Ephesians 1, 11 and Ephesians 1, 5 is addressed to those who were already saved. It has to do with what God is doing for the saved person, not the lost person. This verse does not say that a sinner is predestinated to salvation. Nowhere in the Bible can you find that. But after you are saved, after you have heard the word, God tells us in Ephesians 1 what we should do. You want the blessings of God? You'll do it. If you want to always struggle with your religion, you won't do it. But, you know, but we bring, we bring the storms of life upon us when we say, what God, I thought when I was saved, I'd never have any more sickness, I'd never have any more problems. You may have more problems. But are you willing to suffer a little while? You know? You that have had surgery, you know, I don't think I look over Linda and say, Linda, I'll give you $1,000 if you'll go through that surgery again. She'd say no. Somebody said, Pastor, I'll give you $1,000 if you let them open you up and and have your heart played with and then you've got to take antibiotics for six weeks. Hey, you don't have enough money for me to do that, Buck. But God's going to use you for the glory of God. See, verse 1-5 says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasures of his will. Didn't say a word about he's going to, he predestinated me to be saved, so he predestinated me. Now, after he saved me, the only way I'm going to get saved or you're going to get saved is hear the word of God and believe it. And then you take all of these times that predestination was used in the Bible and you'll see what it's about. See, this, the second time predestination was used in Ephesians 1, 11, which said, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worked of all things after the counsel of his own will. So we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. Now, I believe when you study there in the Word of God where the two sons and one son went off and he blew all the father gave, and when he came back, he begged his father, said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. That's the way I was. Lord, I'm not worthy to be saved. You've got to make some mistake. But he didn't. He taught me that he saved me because he wanted to. And if I wanted to learn, he would open up my heart and my mind and he would give me understanding. He would set me under somebody that loved the Lord. He would have men, you know, who give me some books. 
got some of Brother Hanley's books. Got some of the younger or the modern preachers, but you know, there's there's wisdom. Predestinated to what? You'll notice in verse eleven it was not a complete sentence. It ended in a semitrolling. You notice that? In whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, semitrolling. Not a complete sentence. Then he says, that we should be to the praise and glory who first trusted in Christ. That when I trust Christ, I should glorify him. Predestinated to what? That we should be to the praise and glory. The meaning is clear. These verses are addressed to those who first trusted in Christ. Those who had first trusted Christ were predestinated to be to the praise and glory of God. And when we live a life that will not glorify the Lord, he's disappointed with us. He is disappointed with us. So, the third time the word predestination is used in Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be transformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. What does Romans 8, 29 teach? It means the longer that Steve lives, I should see more of God in him and less of Steve. But yet, what do we old folks say? What is these young people doing? Oh, they're following mom and dad most of the time. I said, most of the time. See, kids are funny. You got to show them. And the world will show them that how stupid the parent is. God said in verse 29 of Romans 8, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. See, he predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. He never said he predestinated somebody to heaven and somebody to hell. That's not what predestination is. Predestination is that we will show forth a new birth. When will we be conformed to his image? Well, 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be lacking. Or be lacking. We're going to act lacking. That's what will happen. When shall we be like him? When shall we be transformed to the image? When he shall appear. If he would appear in the clouds right now, I'd leave. 
I've had people at funeral homes, I mean, not funeral homes, but nursing homes, different places, when that last breath, and they had talked to me, and I said, when she takes that last breath, if she's saved, took the last breath, the nurse says she's dead, and they almost run after each other, get outside to see if they're sin. Before they took their first step, they were in heaven. Don't want to stick around anymore. You got a glorified body. That's why that if you're truly saving in the will of God, the world makes you sick. But you can get used to it. Life. Predestination has to do with the eternal security of the believer, not the salvation of the unbeliever. Why? Why is the saved person eternally secure? Because that's what predestination is. He's predetermined that if I follow his instructions, I'll be like him. But my friend, if you die and go to hell today, you will not be able to say, well, God didn't predestinate me to go to heaven, so that's why I'm hell bound. God didn't predestinate nobody to go to heaven or hell. Show me one scripture that says that. It's not there. We predestinated to be like him. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Who are the called? There are parts of this Bible that are written to lost people. There's parts of this Bible written to save people. And if you're, if you're getting wrong teaching to get members or do whatever, they'll tell them anything. You just join the church and all your troubles will be ended. No, you join the church if you're saved and you got the church behind you. Why that when you're having surgery that sometimes they want to know who you're with, you know. Every time we go to the cancer center, they ask, who is with you? Because they want somebody at the family or best friend so if something happens, they can comfort you. The church ought to offer comfort. Song later, the piano's trumpet. 